episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me, as always, is the celebratory Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? You know, I was thinking of a Shag, and it's really true. We really are just all dust in the wind. <laughs> the reference he's making there, folks, is the fact that we're having to record this podcast early uh, because I'm not available tomorrow because I'm going to go see Kansas, the single greatest band of all time. However, that's not what's important right now, Rob, <laughs> because, folks, by the time you hear this, it will have already passed. But on Wednesday, December 6th, 2017, someone that's near and dear to our heart is going to celebrate their 40th birthday. No, folks, not me. I'm much older than that. And no, not Rob. He is really older than that. Ladies and gentlemen, on December 6th, 1977, the world was given Firestorm the Nuclear Man. Woo! So I just have something I need to share. Happy birthday, dear Firestorm. Oh, wait, no, I could do the Marilyn Rose style. You know, like, what is that? Uh, happy birthday, okay, thank you. Mr. Nuclear Trade, Man. I've got to get that part out. Oh, no. i, I got to get that part out about Mr. Nuclear Man. You really don't. See? No, you really, really don't. <laughs> 40 years, folks. And in fact, this episode has been planned since our very first episode of the podcast. When we started... <laughs> Back in September 2011, believe it or not, we laid the whole structure out of how we were going to cover the series. We were going to cover the new 52 series. We had it planned out for the cancellation of that series. We had it figured out when we would start covering the classic issues. And we wanted to make sure that we could cover Fury of Firestorm number 40 on Firestorm's 40th birthday. Look at that. Firestorm 40 at 40, ladies and gentlemen. That is where we are. Perfect timing. We did this quite well, wouldn't you say, Rob? Yeah, I mean, alternatively, you could say uh, the the way this came about was that Zoom Yukonori mentioned it, that Firestorm turned 40 on December 6th. We were like, oh, shit, we should actually do something related to Firestorm for the anniversary. But, you know. 
You have your version. I have my version. So whatever. I mean, I, you're closer to senility than I am, so I'm going to go with mine. All right. Well, fine. As Rob was pointing out, we should probably take a moment to thank our sponsors. Uh, folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, this special birthday episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trays, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Now, ideally, we would recommend to you the very first appearance of Firestorm. That would make sense. And it is collected in trade paperback, but it is currently out of print. It is, so it is not in stock. It is out of stock. Ugh, heartbreaker. So what you got, Rob? Okay, I have Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Great Responsibility Trade Paperback. This collects Amazing Spider-Man, the original book for by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, numbers 18 through 38, plus annual number 2. That's 504 pages in full color which is pretty amazing. Now, you may be wondering, why am I talking about Spider-Man when we're doing an all-Firestorm episode, other than the fact, of course, there are a lot of thematic similarities between the two characters. Well, the reason I'm bringing this up is, in one of the books we're going to cover, Firestorm number 40, he graduates high school. And in Amazing Spider-Man number 28, Peter Parker graduates high school. So I thought that would be an issue. Yeah, I actually did some work there. I put it together. You, you, you did? I actually went and looked up what issue of, of Spider-Man the, the Peter Parker graduated high school because I figured that he did. Uh, so anyway, this book, uh, as I said, 504 pages, normally $39.99. In stock at trades price, $21.99. That's 45% off. So you get a big heaping slab of Lee and Ditko Spider-Man. This is... Uh, the second half of a two-book collection. So basically, if you get this one and Volume 1, you can get the entire Steve Ditko run on Spider-Man in, in two giant books. So it looks really cool. That's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I, I had to pick something Firestorm-related for myself. Well, I couldn't get the original one. Instead, I went with something a little more recent. We've talked about it on the show several times. But it is written by Jerry Conway, and it does feature the classic team of Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein as Firestorm. It is Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, United We Fall trade paperback. This is the recent one from just last year, written by Jerry Conway, uh, art by Eduardo Pansica and Rob Hunter covered by Kerry Nord. This is the story that ran in Legends Tomorrow 1 through 6 that we love so much. Uh, it is fantastic. It's 144 pages, full color, normally retails for $14.99. You can get it for 45% off right now, so it's only $8.24. Buy yourself two Firestorm birthday gifts, folks. Get that Spider-Man collection and get this collection of Firestorm from Legends Tomorrow. You won't regret it. You will love it. And for these and all your other uh, trade paperback needs, please visit instocktrades.com. Oof. Okay, so the way this is going to go down, again, we're celebrating 40, Firestorm 40 at 40. So we're going to cover the three issues, uh, four issues, I'm sorry, of Fury of Firestorm leading up to number 40. So 37, 38, 39, and 40. We are going to skip your feedback this time. We're going to cover that on the next episode where we do Firestorm just to try and get through this. Because, again, it's all about the boy's birthday. You know, it's just kind of weird because you got Ronnie's birthday and Professor Stein's birthday. It's like, you know, I, I wonder what their birthdays are now I think about it. Either way. Our boy, our boy, fire, fire, our, our boy, Firestorm. He's so excited, folks. I am. I am. It doesn't help. My nose is all stuffed up, too. But, um, so, hey, 1977, look at that. Firestorm, first issue. Uh, there was some, like, movie that came out that summer that people still talk about a little bit. So, it's, uh, you know, it's a great year to be to come from. What else came in 1977? Uh, William Friedkin Sorcerer. Great movie. Wow. Okay. I thought that's when MASH started or something like that. No, I was, I was that is not thought I was MASH. setting you up. Okay. <laughs> that is not when MASH started. We're just going to say. You'll that's learn right, all about MASH. that on my MASH podcast coming soon. MASH started in 1977, folks. That's right. The 4077, that's why it's called that. It's because it started in 1977. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. That's what we're doing. <laughs> 
All right. So these issues, uh, I, I got to tell you, I read them twice. I read them on Comixology because you can buy these issues of Firestorm there and read them digitally. And there you can do what I love doing, which is reading panel by panel. Really gives you a chance to dive in and really notice the art. It's so cool. Or uh, and, and you, you can read the hard copy issues, issues, which I also read. All right. So we're going to go through this pretty quickly. I hope you enjoy hearing the sound of my voice because I don't know that Rob's going to have a chance to talk about this issue. Yeah, I'm putting my feet up here. I'm just recording this. Well, it's kind of like Aquaman last issue, you know, last episode where you did all the talking and I just got to sit back and go, man, Dolphin's hot. So anyway. All right. Issue 37 cover by Raphael Kayanin. And it is a wild, wacky cover. It's one of the more iconic Firestorm covers. What it is is Firestorm sitting uh, in the streets of a major metropolitan city. Behind him is the Guggenheim Museum. But everything's messed up. In fact, this is on the cover. What's wrong with this picture? Only Firestorm knows for sure. And it is this fun, kooky image where... Obviously, a bunch of stuff has been transmogrified. The Guggenheim Museum has been transformed into a giant ice cream bucket full of mint ice cream. Uh, next to it, a building has been transformed into a popcorn, uh, a giant thing of a bag of popcorn, like circus popcorn. He's sitting on a giant cola can, like like human-sized cola can. There's a water, like a kitchen sink in there. There's a crazy arrow with Target. One of the buildings has a drawer. It's hilarious. What do you think of this cover, Rob? Oh, it's a lot of fun. I, I like it because it, it's just, you know, you're like, what the hell is this? I mean, it even says that. What's wrong with this picture? So... Uh, yeah, it's it's fun and lighthearted. I like it, and uh, you know, I, as I've mentioned in previous episodes where we've talked about classic Firestorm, I like it when uh, Jerry and uh, whatever artist he's working with uh, works in actual New York landmarks because that really I think helps place the character. And we've got the Guggenheim right here, which is cool, which I have been to, so it's fun. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I said it was. This one's been done, drawn by Raphael Kanan, and I think he did an excellent job. He inked himself on it, and it really, really shows. When when he inks himself, it just looks so sharp, looks so good. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think he's a great inker for himself. Now, part of the reason I think this cover is so uh, is designed this way, it has nothing to do with the interior story whatsoever. And I think it's that way because the, the majority of the inside story is actually a fill-in, really. Uh, I don't know whether it's an inventory story or whether it was created more recently, but I imagine it was created at the time. But it's a fill-in issue, and so they had to, I guess, just come up with some you know non, nondescript cover that had nothing to do with the interiors. And i got to tell you, if you got to do a cover that doesn't match the inside, this is the way to go. It's super fun. All right, let's get into this, folks. Um it's going to be a little tricky to, to follow, so do, do, do the best you can here. There's a framing sequence in this issue. It's five pages, a few in the beginning, a few at the end, which features Ronnie and the professor talking, and it sort of sets it up, and then you get into the middle section. So just to give the creative credits, the framing sequence is done by, written by Jerry Conway with art by Raphael Kayan and inks by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. And they also mentioned there's a new editor, which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, named Janice Race. Uh, the flashback section, which is 18 pages, which is kind of in the center, is written by Joey Cavallari, who did an issue previously, uh, with art by Alex Nino, which was kind of surprising. Uh, we'll talk about that on the, on the end. And then colors Nancy Houlihan. And the story uh, in, the, in the flashback is called Not in Our Stars, But in Ourselves. So, again, it's essentially a flashback with a framing sequence. As the comic opens in the, in the framing sequence, it's modern day, and Ronnie and the professor are eating in a diner and discussing their concerns about – I'm sorry, not in a the diner. They're eating dinner and discussing their concerns about a problem that happened in, a, in one of the recent issues where they're fighting Killer Frost and Plastique. Uh, they had a problem with their powers. The professor has chosen this restaurant and is introducing Ronnie to something called sushi, which in 1984 most kids probably hadn't heard of, to be honest. And uh, – 
As Professor introduces Ronnie to sushi, Ronnie's introducing himself to the toilet once he finds out what's in it. Uh, <laughs> apparently this problem with his power sort of reminds him of a previous adventure. That's where we get flashback! So the main story takes place 16 months earlier, which is very early in the nuclear man's career. Ronnie's having these nightmares about uh, a feedback problem he gets when he's trying to deal with organic material. So whenever Firestorm tries to transform anything organic, all this energy feedback comes back to him. The, the item doesn't transform, and they're in a lot of pain. So they're, they're dealing with that. So Ronnie can't sleep. With nothing better to do, he, he just goes on a walkabout, basically, and ends up attending a debate on astrology. And, and the astrologist there later approaches him, telling him that he will soon deal with a major test. Well, not surprisingly, Firestorm does end up in a situation where he tries to save a museum and his patrons by stopping this meteorite, meteorite from exploding. And yet Firestorm fails, and everyone in the museum dies. Uh, so he did. He failed the test foretold by this astrologist. It's horrible. And But this is the part where it gets weird. Nobody actually died because Ronnie dreamt the whole thing, uh, at least that test. And then once he wakes up, oddly enough, the whole thing starts to play itself out in real life, where he's given a second chance. This museum is still in danger. The patrons are still in danger. And uh, Ronnie stops, goes in, changes what he's going to do. He stops the alien spores hidden in the meteorite from exploding. He avoids the, or, uh, the organic feedback and thus saves the museum. Uh, so that's, that's the issue sort of in a whole. What do you think of this one, Rob? Uh, I like the story just fine. And like the, the whole, hey, let's flash back to a previous thing, you know, like that – it's such a classic setup for when you have to have a fill-in artist, which is clearly what happened here. So I like the story just fine, but man, the artwork. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually like the work of Alex Nino. I, I'm familiar with him from some of the um, sci-fi stuff he did for DC. He did a lot. I think he did some stories for Time Warp, that series. And he did a lot of stuff for Warren, uh, which I really like. But to me, he is completely wrong for Firestorm. Like, just totally, totally wrong. So... I had a, this one was real rough going looking at the sections uh, drawn by Alex Nino. It just, to me, just doesn't work. A lot of stuff he's done is like stuff for like House of Mystery, creepy, yep. heavy metal. Yeah, not he's, a one super, of the, he's not a superhero guy. No, no, clearly. And he's one of the guys who came over in the Filipino invasion, uh, or, or I guess that's what you call it, but he's from the Philippines. And uh, it's very scratchy, very, very scratchy. And I got to tell you, actually, his figures, like where it's just a human, not, not superhero spandex, I actually really like his figures. I think they're really interesting. I, I like to see that sort of style, which makes me think I bet his uh, horror stuff is fantastic, I bet. But yeah, when you slap Firestorm in the puffy sleeves and the, and the weird black eye, you know, eyeliner, guy liner, whatever you want to call it, uh, it doesn't quite work, which is a little disappointing. But overall, I, when I read it on a panel-by-panel panel way with the, with the digital version, I found myself enjoying it more than reading it just as a regular comic. So it's, it's definitely an interesting experiment. I'm, I don't regret that they did it, but it's, you know, I wouldn't want to see them every month. So. I did like the full page, number 19, of the, 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 the big meteorite landing. That's a good page with just all the craps flying around and Firestorm's that oh, tiny yeah? little figure. Like, I think that looks cool, but for the most part, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is not the right pick for this guy. Yeah, it's a shame. Now, like where I was talking about the figure work, though, if you go back uh, many, many pages to like page uh, six and seven, that's where the astrologist is there and Ronnie's there attending the thing. I mean, I, I love the line. The figure work looks great. Well, Ronnie looks great. The astrologist looks great. The scratchiness really works there. So it's it, there's a lot to be said for art. I just, yeah, like Rob said, I think it's probably the wrong place. Uh, interesting exploration of the whole organic power restriction, you know, because that is a big, always been a big thing for Firestorm. He can't affect organics. But. Even though they loosely tried to tie it together, I don't didn't really get the connection to the problem they had when they were fighting Plastique and Killer Frost, which was basically they turned uh, whatever you call it, where you phase like Kitty's power, uh, 
I don't know, you walk through walls. I can't come remember come over the word all of a sudden. But anyway, where <laughs> and uh, I was so just called he, it phasing. I always thought. Okay, well he's he's phasing and he can't shoot blasts for some reason at the same time. So it's almost more like his power, power distribution issue rather than this whole feedback thing. So it's it doesn't really work uh, for a, a connective thread to connect those two issues together. But you know, whatever. I guess it works fine. Uh, also, the last few pages of the framing sequence where they're chasing this runaway car and there's like some lesson about recklessness, I didn't really get that. Like, I didn't follow it. Uh, so, one of the things I read online, I was doing a little research on this issue. One person proposed that this was an old inventory story rather than something recent because they were suggesting, well, it's 18 pages which fit the perfect format mm. of older DC comics. Right, when the page count was lower. Right, so I, I guess it could have been an inventory story uh, that wasn't written for Firestorm, but was written for someone else, perhaps, and they just adjusted it. But Joey Cavallari, and I might be saying his name wrong, but he just recently stepped in and did something for the Firestorm book. So I get the feeling this is probably more recent uh, rather than being an old story. I, I don't know that we'll ever know that. Uh, I do love the, the very last page by King Innan where Firestorm's flying across the city. Because uh, this is a new inking team on them, by the way. Uh, we've gone through a lot of inkers over the last couple months since uh, the, our old standby inker left, the one who had been with the book since the beginning. But now we've got, uh, as I said, it's... Um, Aiken and Garvey. Well, I was looking for their first names because I wrote that down. Uh, Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Right. Yep, that's right. So I think that, I think they look spectacular over Kane. And that shot of Firestorm flying over the city looks really, really nice. So Jerry not being in the issue. This isn't the first time we brought this up. We've talked about it quite a bit in the last couple of years, uh, or the last several months, I should say. Specifically, issues 27, 28, 29, 30, 32, and 37, which is the one we're doing right now. In all of those, either Jerry was completely absent or he had a writing assist like he had in this one. So on a whim, I reached out to Jerry, and I'm realizing I'm asking him a ridiculous 30-year-old question, you know, a 35-year-old question, whatever. Uh, so I asked him, you know, do you have any recollection why you would have stepped back from those issues for that, like, you know, almost a year period, why you might have done that? I, also, I figured, you know, as we've been speculating, he's J Justice League Detroit was getting off the ground, which I imagine required a lot of work. So, uh, and he responded, he was kind enough to respond. He says he doesn't have a clear memory of why he stepped back doing those issues, but he was bumping heads with DC during this period. Uh, he was writing too much and struggling with what eventually became writer's block. He said it's possible I had to back off those issues due to scheduling, but he honestly doesn't recall. So, uh, you know, that brings up an interesting point, something we haven't really talked about much on the show. Uh, he has in interviews, but Jerry was bumping heads with the folks at DC at this point, and eventually that's what leads to him leaving the book in about 10 issues. Maybe a little more than 10 issues. But it's, uh, it's kind of a sad situation that ended up occurring. In fact, this issue is the beginning of a new editor. You know, He's been his own editor for a long time. Uh, but this time they pick up an editor named Janice Race. And even in the letters page when they introduce her, uh, the comments are sort of like hinting that, that that's the issue. She was the book's associate editor. And he says, the reasons for this change are complex and don't need to be discussed here. Suffice to say that I'm pleased that Janice is assuming editorial command. So it's like, oh. Uh, so that may have been hinting at some of the problems Jerry was having at the time. Don't know. Hmm. But it's funny. It, it, whenever I reread Firestorm, I don't tend to read all of them. Like, you know, over the last 30 years when I bring up my Firestorm collection and do decide to do a reread, I usually start with issue one and get somewhere to around 24, 25, and I peter out. And then I, like, just read sparingly. This is I, – I don't think I've read this issue since the day it was published – or the day – yeah, the month it was published. I, I had no recollection of it whatsoever when I was reading it. So it was kind of fun to read it. It felt like a, a new story to me. All right, let's get going here. 
We've got two issues to cover. We're going to cover back-to-back issue 38 and 39. I'm going to do kind of the recap together. Uh, this is the Weasel storyline that's been building for a while now. We've seen glimpses of him in Pittsburgh. And looking at both covers at the same time, they're both by Kay Yannon. And interestingly enough, it's, you know, the battle's really high in the air in both cases. They're both on top of buildings. Weasel in the first one is about to throw Professor Stein off of the top of a building. And in the second one, Weasel and Firestorm are locked in hand-in-hand battling on top of a building. And I get the sense in both cases that Kanan was really trying to showcase the architecture, uh, architectural impressiveness of of, uh, Pittsburgh. That's what I think is going on here. Did you get a sense for that, or am I seeing something that's not there? No, he definitely went out of his way to do a lot of architecture stuff. I mean, some of those I've talked about on a previous episode. Some of these, some of these panels where like he went full out and did all these buildings. I'm like, that is so much friggin' work. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> well, they're establishing a new location. You know, the series has been in New York since day one, and so moving to uh, Pittsburgh is a pretty big deal. So I think that's what he's trying to convey here. So, and what do you think of Weasel? The physically. I, well, well, I find very attractive. I don't know what you're asking. No, I, I no, I, li- I like the character. I think it's it's good. It's it's it gives Jerry a chance to sort of um, use all the weasel puns he could think of for the titles. Pop goes the weasel, and um, it's a you know it's a different kind of character for Firestorm to take on. It's not scientific based. It's like a you know, like a werewolfy type character, which is kind of a nice change. This cover is gutsy in that it doesn't have Firestorm on it. That was probably. DC probably wasn't necessarily as thrilled with that, that the, the, the hero isn't on the cover. You know, glad you mentioned that, because I'm going to talk about that very thing when we get into the issue itself. So why don't we start? So both issues are written by Jerry Conway. Penciler on the first issue is Raphael Kayanen. And then in issue 39, uh, Raphael Kayanen is joined by Mike Chen, which uh, I want Rob to tell us more about later. Uh, <laughs> Inkings by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey across both issues. First issue is entitled Night of the Weasel. So, Professor Stein is visiting Vandermeer University in Pittsburgh, where he's recently accepted a new position as a teacher. So, he's wandering around the seamlessly abandoned campus, and he meets Dr. Emily Rice, who's the dean of the university. She explains that the campus seems to be empty at night because of a recent series of murders on the campus, which we've been seeing hinted at in previous issues. Emily seems to be exhausted and distraught over these murders, which is, uh, and then it's, Honestly, it's a good thing that she picked him up because Professor Stein uh, got off the street because it turns out he wasn't alone. He was being stalked by the weasel. Wish I had a sound effect. Da, da, da. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, back in New York, Ronnie and Doreen have rekindled their relationship. Uh, unfortunately, happiness never lasts for Ronnie Raymond as Cliff Carmichael comes in, interrupts them, and starts spreading a rumor that Ronnie cheated on his final exams. What? We also take a moment to catch up with Ronnie's father, Ed Raymond, and his new girlfriend, Felicity Smoke. Yes, that's right. The hottie from uh, Oliver Queen, uh, the wonderful Emily Beck Rickards, is uh, dating Ronnie's father, which is a little creepy. Uh, Felicity is happy because she can uh, in the situation where she's talking to Ed because she can finally move forward with her lawsuit against Firestorm for super, super heroic malpractice. Uh, back in Pittsburgh, the weasel attacks Professor Stein in his hotel room. They struggle and Professor Stein goes flying through a window plummeting dozens of stories. Uh, our hero... Uh, I'm sorry, got a little lost in my own recap here. Uh, so he goes plummeting down dozens of stories, and at the last possible moment, Professor Stein succeeds in overcoming his panic and triggers the formation into Firestorm the Nuclear Man. Now, folks, this is page 19. It's been a real supporting character uh, supporting character issue, but up all, took till issue uh, till page 19 to even see Firestorm. Kind of like the cover there, Rob. Glad you brought that up. 
You're welcome. From pers- personally, I'm fine with that. I love seeing the supporting characters. So uh, There's some development here in Firestorm's powers as well, because Professor Stein didn't have his glasses on when they transformed. Therefore, Firestorm's vision is apparently really blurry, and our hero loses the weasel, and Ryan and the Professor split to go recover Professor's glasses. At that moment, they're jumped again by the weasel. Uh, these guy- The guys are captured and brought to a steel smelting plant, and a very chatty weasel is about to pour molten metal across are very human protagonists. Uh, that's the issue, end of issue 38. Running right into issue 39, it's entitled Publish or Perish, or The Academic Life is Killing Me. So our heroes narrowly avoid being burned alive in the molten steel by transforming into Firestorm. But unfortunately, the weasel gets away. Ronnie and Professor Stein split. The professor then goes to deal with his wrecked hotel room, the police, and Dean Emily Rice. Emily is overly relieved to find Martin still alive. She confesses part of what motivated her in offering Stein the position of the university was her own romantic attraction to Martin. So let's see. Crystal Frost, uh, his wife Clarissa, Emily Rice. Dude, Stein is a player. Man. Uh, meanwhile, Ronnie is uh, – I guess you can count Firehawk in there too, really. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, Ronnie is following up on clues based on what the weasel had said the last issue. Ronnie and the professor believe the weasel's murders aren't random and that he might be uh, affiliated with Vandermeer University in some way because the weasel talked about working hard to get tenure. Then you get a little educational moment for the kids at home what tenure means. Uh, Ronnie does sort of figure it all out that the victims attend all the victims attended Stanford at the same time, and so did Professor Stein. Uh, and he does this, by the way, by sneaking into the university and doing all this research. And, and anyway, that explains why Stein was a target because all these folks went to Stanford at the same time. Just about at this moment, the weasel then attacks Ronnie. Uh, they transfer into Firestorm, and it's fight time. We get about ten pages of fight and some really cool layouts that we'll talk about in a minute. And in the end, they rip off the rubber mask off the weasel, and it turns out it's just some regular dude named John Monroe, uh, another Stanford graduate. He was murdering people at Vandermeer uh, that also attended Stanford around the same time. Now, I don't know that – they didn't really make it specifically clear, but we so we don't really know whether he was killing out of revenge or he's suffering some sort of paranoia to protect his current job. But the sad part is that Stein doesn't even recognize him. Apparently, John Monroe made uh, absolutely no memorable impression on Stein whatsoever, and perhaps maybe that's what made him so angry is that no one even thinks about him. The issue ends with Ronnie taking a train home from Pittsburgh to New York, and uh, he's getting ready to graduate high school soon, and he's feeling a bit anxious about it, and his life is about how his life is about to change and spend some time thinking about that. What do you think of this issue, buddy? Or these two issues, buddy? Uh, do you want me to just stick to the 38 first and then 39, or, or just jump around? Yeah, it, it's all one big story. Really. Okay. Uh, I like it. I actually like this one a lot. I, I think um, 38 in particular, uh, I think as well. I'm not... Not really suit. I don't think that Aiken and Garvey are, are a good match for Raphael Kenan as an inker. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Um, but I like the I like the um, the moodiness of Thirty Eight. I mean, everything is set at night, pretty much. Yeah. So it's it's got you know it's like a werewolf movie, you know, uh, which is what what of course we're going for. I mean, he's not a werewolf; he's a weasel, but you know, close enough. Uh, page one, I really like that that portrait. Of uh, the weasel, of snarling, yes. like that's you know horror movie type stuff. So Kef- K- K- Kyanan, uh is really good at this stuff. And then on page six, there's that uh, two panels where there's no dialogue; it's just the weasel in silhouette. I think that's really effective. So this has a this storyline or the story has a tone to it that most Firestorm stories do not have, which I, I liked a lot. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like the art in thirty eight as well. Like you mentioned, the weasel stalking part. I, I like the. 
they're, they're not perfect, but I like the use of the splash pages when the weasel jumps out of the shower mm-hmm. to attack Professor Stein, mm-hmm. and then the one where they're falling out of the window. And not all, and not everything's perfect on those pages, but because Kane is getting better with his panel design, I mean, those splash pages were huge kapow moments. It was like whoa when you got to those because I mean, you really felt the drama uh, of you know after let's see. One two three four five six. One two three four like six panels per page, and suddenly, boom! This giant page of the where uh, of, of Weasel coming out and attacking Stein really just jumps out. I thought that was really nicely done. Uh, let's see, uh, page nineteen when he does transform finally into Firestorm. Yeah, that's, I love, that's terrific. Yeah, yeah, it shows him falling, 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 and then Firestorm goes flying up, and it's just really well done. I mean that that panel there, of Firestorm just screams K N to me. That's like that's what I remember Firestorm being. Um, let's see, talking about the story. Uh, Okay, there's not a single mention of the hyena throughout either one of these issues. And I'm not saying that they should have been. Well, no, I am saying there should have been. At some point, Ronnie the Professor should have made some kind of comment, you know, or some sort of comparison. Because it's so obviously – like I remember as a kid reading this issue, I was actually frustrated with these two issues at the time. I enjoyed them much more now. But I was frustrated when I read them because I'm thinking it's just another hyena. Now, it, it's truthfully not because a hyena is actually a savage beast who's kind of, you know – in a weird mental state. This is just a dude in a suit, which it was interesting in and of itself. But you think there'd be some kind of comparison between Hyena and this guy, right? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this issue, the, the Scooby-Doo-esque ending of the... The rubber mask. <laughs> pulling yeah. of the mask on. <laughs> and it would have worked, too, if it hadn't been for you, nuclear man. Right, right. You, well, yeah. And then uh, the goofy bit about Professor Stein not having his glasses on when they transform. I get that works for the story, but that makes absolutely no logical sense whatsoever. <laughs> None at all. Because <laughs> I mean, well, professors, I mean, I guess technically their clothes and, and, and glasses and stuff do disappear when they transform. But that just that just makes bonkers. It makes no sense. I, it's fun for the story, but it's just whatever. <laughs> uh, well, you know, why don't we why don't we get into thirty nine as well? So look, we were talking a lot about art. Tell me what you think. Of th- okay, first of all, Mike Chen. You've heard of him, right? Um, yes, I'm going to mention this only because it is germane to what we're discussing, as I know I'm going to get made fun of by David Gutierrez, but Mike Chen was one of my instructors at the Joe Kubert School. Wait, you went to the Joe Kubert School? Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, what, what class did he teach for you? Uh, we could, I Actually, he taught uh, my, the business of art class, which was, like, about the whole nuts and bolts of, like, being an artist, like, you know, like, uh, dealing with the vendors and things like that. So it wasn't actually an art class. It was more about the, the, the working part of it. Okay. Now, he's got a zillion art credits. Is there anything particular he's, like, most known for? No, I don't. I don't. He did the, that mask series, that licensing tie-in thing. I, he, oh, Mike, really? Mike was really great at robots, which is maybe why him and I didn't get along. No, I, no <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. We actually, it was funny. Mike, Mike was one of those. Mike was very serious, and he liked to can convey himself like that. But he had a good sense of humor, and if you could get him to like everyone tried to make him laugh because he was so serious, and so that was kind of a like a fun thing. And I had to do a report once where he actually had to write up. Uh, a thing where you analyzed an art contract uh, and like see what was wrong with it and what would not be right or whatever. And I stuck jokes in mind just so I could entertain him because I just like the idea of making him laugh. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I got to say, I, yeah, it, there's no way to tell what panels Cannon drew and what panels uh, Chen drew. Right. And they have and they have separate inkers, but man, the panel design in this issue is spec. Freaking tacky. Yeah, there's a lot of nice stuff here. There really is. I love. You want to go page... first, and I'll. I'll no, you can go. Up. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, no, I was going to let you go first. Actually. Okay, all right. Well, page five, I like the, yes. the panel of where they they split back into two people. That looks like a piece of stock art. You know, if you could get rid of the word balloons, uh, you would you would turn that into like a piece of licensing art because it's very highly designed. We see the three red dots on his shirt going off to the left and the big red dot going off to the right as they're turning back into Ronnie and Martin. So that's, you know, you could totally picture that on the uh, Firestorm line of action figures that, of course, uh, was never actually produced. Sorry about that. There, there um, wasn't my world. But anyway. It was, yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't your world. Yeah. That panel's the first thing I want to talk about, too. Okay. Wow. What a great way to use Firestorm's, you know, chess symbol to incorporate into the transformation. I, I can't believe no one ever thought of it before, and I don't know that anyone ever did it again. It's a, I assume it's Chen, because even in the previous issue, when they showed a similar thing, Kane uh, just drew like some bubbles between them two as they split. So love this, love this, love this. Yeah. Uh, I like page 15 of the panels of Firestorm chasing the weasel, and it's all just a series of them at the same, you know, tiny bodies as he's chasing them. Like, I kind of like that, where we're seeing the same background repeated. The yep. very next page where the, the panels turn into kind of like a fan yep. uh, thing where the you've got sort of like a horizon line. And then the very next page after that where all of a sudden our balance is off because, of course, Firestorm's balance is off because the weasel is covering his eyes. And so uh, the, the, you've got that last panel where like we're kind of behind his boot and he's heading off into the background. And then we get that fan design again on the very next page. And then the very yep. page after that is the cutaway in the mountain. Which I yeah. think was really cool. Like all that. So this was a like really attractively designed book. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the only thing I was going to add to that was the, the first couple of pages even are good. Like pages two and three uh, where Firestorm – the molten metals pouring down and Firestorm and the Professor and Ronnie transform. There's some nice weird sort of like almost Batman 66 angles going on there where they transform and fly away and they're in the air there. So Firestorm's up in the front. And then seeing him zoom around on the next page too, those are all expertly done. Uh, but yeah, wow, what great design on this issue. Um, I, I don't want to give all the credit to Chen. But it's so different than anything we've seen from K. Annan. I gotta think that's where that influence is coming from. Yeah, I'm not. Aiken and Garvey to me were very heavy anchors, so it, to me, it's it's difficult to really tell who did what. Um, I am, you know, I mean, Mike drew a couple of Who's Who listings. He drew the the one for Packrat from Atari Force, which is like a like a particularly really good listing, especially since it's such a half page. Um, I have to ask him. I'm gonna have to like send him this book and see if he remembers which pages he did. Yeah, I'd be thrilled to hear what he says. Uh, Some story stuff. I like that Ed Raymond clearly isn't thrilled about the lawsuit against Firestorm. I thought that was kind of nice. You know, he's he's basically giving uh, Felicity. He he he's a smart boyfriend. He's smart. He's not telling her she's wrong, but he's just not agreeing with her. And she's like, I can tell you don't agree with me. He's like, I don't know your words. You know, (laughs) clever clever guy there. So uh, now I get the sense at the end when they capture Hyena and they rip the mask off. Based on what Hyena says, which isn't much, he basically said, you know, they're saying they caught him, and he says, "I'll tell the story." And he's like, "Oh, you already know." I get the sense that he knows that Ronnie and the Professor are Firestorm. Did you get that sense? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Okay, so I, was, I, I didn't know if that was just me. Uh, my favorite bit of the fight is it goes on for a while, and then the Weasel gets hurt. He uh, he jumps and lands and hurts his leg, so he just stops fighting. He's just <laughs> laying there, and he's like. I broke my leg. It hurts so bad. This is your fault. And it's like, what? Yeah, he's like blaming Firestorm for getting injured. And like, dude, you just try to kill me. So I found that hilarious. I mean, it's kind of fitting with like a crazy dude in a suit. You know, it's pretty works works well. Uh, I love at the end Ronnie's feelings about finishing high school and starting college. I mean, it's like 
I'm going through a lot of a personal emotions right now because my own stepson, he's uh, he's 18, he's a senior in high school, he's about to finish high school, and he's wants to move out on his own and everything. Like, I want him to read the last couple pages of this comic. It's a, it's a very responsible young man thinking about the future and being like, yeah, life sucks, life's tough, I'm going to have to step up my game here. And I'm like, yes! So it's clearly written by an adult who wishes their teenager would behave, and I'm feeling that myself. So I <laughs> Probably projecting a bit, maybe? I don't know. What do you think? It's wonderful that these Firestorm comics can still be relevant for you uh, 30 years later. <laughs> Absolutely true. Uh, I, want, oh, I wanted to mention how much I love this. They're, uh, the, the ending of issue 38 where the, the heroes are trapped and they're about to have all this molten steel poured all over them. I know they get out of it, like, the first panel in the next issue, but, like, that is such a great classic cliffhanger, you know, where the bad guy's telling his plans and he's just pouring all this molten metal into the guys are like, oh, no, we're going to die. I just, I loved it. It made me so excited. I was, like, th- punching the air over that one. Will they escape? Chind out next episode. Same nuclear time, same nuclear channel. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, you got any fun- closing thoughts on this one? Or this story, uh, these two issues? No, I, I think 38 has the edge on 39 just because it's moodier, like it achieves, you know. But uh, but no, I think this is a good uh, a good two-parter. I, I How many more issues uh, of Firestorm did Jerry write? Do you know offhand? Uh, I can't tell you exactly. I mean, I think 54 is his last one, or okay. it's either 53 or 54 is his last one. So he may have dipped in and out a bit here and there. Okay, because I'm wondering if the weasel comes back and if he had time no. to do any more. He doesn't. Okay, so no, no more no more weasel puns. Okay. <laughs> like, can the weasel get? How can he weasel out of this one? Weasel, weasel uh, out of this one, yeah. All right. Uh, now, I guess he. You know what? Maybe he didn't do this because he has an editor now. Janice, uh, Janice is that editor, so maybe she wrote those cover puns. Sometimes, like the the guys who did Blue Devil, they never did their own cover puns. That was always done by their editor. So hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's probably depends on the editor, I'm sure, but. Uh, yeah, so Jerry, Jerry's uh, going to be going through the weasel. Basically, where the weasel shows up uh, next, if I remember correctly, is Suicide Squad. Because what happened is once John Ostrander takes over uh, the Firestorm book, he basically looks at the catalog of Firestorm villains and goes, yeah, I can kill all these. In <laughs> and Weasel's on the list, and sure enough, Weasel dies. And uh, I think it was in the Suicide Squad Doom Patrol special, maybe? I don't know. Paul Hicks, who's probably not listening anyway, could tell us. And uh, then he comes back in Black as Night, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. So, you know, tell you what, why don't we take a quick break, uh, play a couple podcast promos at this point, and then when we come back, we're going to celebrate Firestorm 40 at 40. Hi, this is Batman. Whenever I lose my memory, I head over to the BatmanUniverse.net and check out the podcast Bat Books for Beginners. The Bat Books for Beginners podcast breaks down and analyzes all of my adventures so I can remember how to get to the Batcave, which Robin I'm working with, and where I parked the Batmobile. Chris and Jerry, the hosts of Bat Books for Beginners, are honest about how well I'm serving the citizens of Gotham. Sometimes too honest, I'll have to talk to them about that. If you wake up one morning and think you might be Batman and have just lost your memories, Go over to the BatmanUniverse.net or iTunes and check out Bat Books for Beginners. Now, if I could just figure out who this old man cleaning the Batcave is, that would be great. I asked my friend Scott Snyder and he didn't know. 
don't be a supervillain, visit thebatmanuniverse.net and listen to Bat Books for Beginners, also on iTunes. You'll be glad you did. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the batmanuniverse.net Bat Family of Podcasts. Don't listen to Bat Books for Beginners when operating heavy machinery or juggling. If you listen to Bat Books for Beginners for more than four hours, call your doctor. Bat Books for Beginners is part of a balanced diet. Discord's blog of geekery is Doctor Who, Babylon 5, Animation, Comics, Toys, Godzilla, Star Trek, Cats, Crypto, Role Playing Games, Battle Shovel, X Files, Music, Podcasts, Board Games, Jack Kirby, Alien, Movie, Kung Fu, Dinosaur, and so much more. Discord's blog of geekery, 10 years of content, more than 7,500 posts, still going strong at ciscoid.blogspot.com. Happy birthday, Mr. Nuclear Man. Oh, wait. We're back? Okay. Yeah, I, uh, no, I said we're not doing that. What, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. It's just crazy. I'm possessed with celebratory emotions. I can't control myself because it's Firestorm 40 at 40. Woo! All right, folks, uh, this is going to be Fury of Firestorm the Nuclear Man number 40. The cover has uh, – it's a split screen. On one side, it's Firestorm hanging out by – looks like the docks. And he's, uh, he's doing his nuclear fist up in the air, and he's got his flaming head, and he's smiling. And the other half is Ronnie Raymond in his graduation robes, and it's his graduation day! Woo! So unlike issue 38 and 39, which I did not enjoy as a kid but enjoyed more as an adult, issue 40 I enjoyed quite a bit as a child, and uh, I think it still holds up. So, Cover is by Mike Clark, new name to our series, and really only this is the issue, this is the only issue he does. But Mike Clark and Steve Mitchell, and uh, writers Jerry Conway, again, pencilers Mike Clark, uh, don't know a lot of his history. He did several issues of All-Star Squadron and a few issues of Secret Origins, and then really wasn't around much after that. Acres again, Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. So here we go. Here's the recap. Uh, it's a little longer because I got a little happy because I like this issue so much. So, uh, Ronnie, as the story opens, Ronnie is accused of cheating on his final exams by his teachers and his principal. And these allegations will prevent Ronnie from graduating high school in a few days. Uh-oh. Uh, surprisingly, Ronnie's test scores were off the chart. And just a few months ago, he was barely passing. Unfortunately, Ronnie can't explain why he's doing so well on his test nowadays. Until Professor Stein suggests that perhaps they're sharing more than Firestorm's body. Perhaps Ronnie is gaining access to some of Professor Stein's knowledge. So, uh, stepping out of the story for a second, I'll leave that up to you guys whether you decide that's still cheating or not. It's worth, worth wondering. Anyway, uh, not unexpectedly, all this drama leads to another confrontation between Ronnie and his arch rival, Cliff Carmichael. After Ronnie decks Cliff, they agree to fight on the roof of the school later that day. Well, Doreen has had enough of this and breaks it off with Ronnie. So, let's recap here. Ronnie's been bullied by Cliff. He's about to be expelled from school for cheating and not being able to graduate, and now his girlfriend has left him. He can't take the pressure anymore, folks, and transforms into Firestorm in a rage. So, uh, Ronnie's being incredibly selfish, and he's talking with Professor, and he almost lets this reckless boater crash into a ferry. But Professor Stein convinces Ronnie to help, and it turns out it ends up being a good life lesson for Ronnie about selfishness. And uh, plus, we get some fun transmutation. Later, uh, Ronnie arrives for the fight with Cliff, but Ronnie just stands there. Ronnie lets Cliff beat on him without resisting or fighting back. Ronnie's decided that he did act like a jerk, and it's not worth fighting Cliff anymore. Ronnie takes a pretty harsh beating, but he makes his point. He's going to start growing up and stop acting childish and impulsive. 
Later, Ronnie goes to the principal and suggests the best way to prove that he didn't cheat is by taking an impromptu chemistry final exam. We're talking a verbal exam with a chemistry teacher using questions Ronnie has never seen before. It takes three hours, but by the end, Ronnie has shown his mastery of chemistry. He's probably even more advanced than the chemistry teacher himself. And Ronnie's cleared of all allegations and allowed to graduate. Woo! Then we get a bit with Firestorm spending a little time floating in the clouds, which gives Ronnie and the professor a chance to catch up on events. They zoom back to the city in a hurry to meet Ronnie's dad for dinner. But first, they run into Felicity Smoke. She presents papers to Firestorm declaring that she's suing him for superhero malpractice. And to make matters worse, Ronnie and the professor split apart. To, uh, and they go to go show up to Ronnie's uh, – I'm stumbling all over this. Basically, you know, they, they split apart to Ronnie and professor because they're going to meet his dad for dinner. So they go meet his dad for dinner, and there's Ed Raymond, and he introduces Ronnie to his future wife, his fiance. That's right. Felicity Smoke is about to become Ronnie's stepmother. Creepy. Uh, at least, you know, in hindsight, it's creepy. Uh, both Professor Stein and Ronnie are stunned, actually hilariously stunned, because they, there's this great panel of Ronnie's face looking stunned, and it's continued panel to panel, where we then joined Ronnie at his high school graduation, and he still looks stunned. And uh, Ronnie and the gang all graduate, including Cliff, uh, Doreen, Jefferson Jackson, who, of course, we know is Jackson's DC Legends Tomorrow. And it turns out Ronnie uh, isn't going to go to Vandermeer alone. Doreen and Cliff are also going to be attending there. And at the end, it's a giant, huge, happy ending. And then Jerry slips in a little note to his friends that he graduated with himself in the class of 1970. So what do you think of this one, buddy? Uh, can I tell you? I think this I – can't, I can't guarantee it, but I think this was a mountain comic. Uh-oh. Really? Uh, yeah, because I was look when I you know when we decided to look at these, I went back and I was sort of staring. I'm like, well, some of these I've never read before. This one I remember reading, and I'm uh. like, well, I, and I was not buying Firestorm at the time, so I'm like, why would I remember this one? And then I looked at the date, and it was yeah. on sale in July, which means it was probably still on sale in August. And I so I'm betting this was a, one of those comics that I bought, you know, because I was like, well, I have. You know, I'm buying every comic I can get my hands on, so I need stuff to read. So I think this is a mountain comic. So I completely forgot that this was one of them. So okay. there we go. So did it hold up to your memory? Yeah, the artwork-wise, uh, Mike Clark not doing much for me. I really like Raphael KNN, and I, I yeah. miss him. Um, so uh, this thing has little details here and there. First of all, the cover. Firestorm's yellow sleeve, way out of control there. Like, what is that thing? <laughs> Well, it's not his sleeve, it's his shoulder pad. Well, the shoulder pad thing. I mean, that yeah. is just Yeah, that's like, out of control. Big whoa, thing. you know. Um, so there's there, there's that. Uh, I did like the weird little side thing with the fat old dude with the woman on the boat. And, like, where he's like, hey, babe, if you're like this. Oh, you, oh right, right, right. The, you the see my Porsche. Driver. And she's like, oh, yeah. Rod, you're so classy. Ain't money great? And, like, so he's, like, basically <laughs> saying, I know the only reason I have this hot babe is because I got money. Which is yep. like just like a weird little throwaway. Cliff Carmichael, super cut. Yeah, he, he, man, he is ripped. Uh, he's, he's, he's supposed to be. They established that a while ago. It just uh, looks funny to me. That's just, you know, it's like a high school kid, and he's built like that. Um, well, a high school nerd too. High school nerd. And then the one last little detail is on page nineteen when Firestorm's on the um, standing there with the fire hydrant. There's a kid blowing a bubble, and he's in a Batman T-shirt. And this was 1985. This was four years before the movie. That kid was way ahead of the curve. Oh, that's true. Batman that's true. merchandise. So. That's one of my favorite panels of all time, actually. Uh, with Firestorm's got, like you said, he's got his foot in the hydrant. But he's just found out he's getting sued, and his hair is gone atomic. Like right, he's, right. He's yeah, turning in like a little mushroom cloud. Yeah. yeah, I love that. In fact, I use that a lot when uh, I would do stuff for like uh, when I would receive mail. 
you know, I would for Firestorm fan, I would use that panel quite a bit. I love that image. It's it's hilarious. There's a lot of stuff going on here actually in the background. So all right, you brought that up. So there, there there's a there's a reoccurring thing where you remember a couple issues ago where like Ronnie and Professor were having a talky talky scene, and the artist went a different direction where he basically had Professor Stein struggling to get into a newspaper box. Remember that? Yes. And, like, and it was funny, but it had nothing to do with the script. So here's another situation. Like you've got the kid in the background there. So that's not really in the script. That's clearly from the artist. There's another one here where, where Professor and Ronnie are eating in a diner. And next to them is this bum. He's got like flies flying all around him and stuff. And he's taking an interest in everything they're saying. And when they leave, he's reaching over and taking their food, you know, their leftovers on their plate. None of that's got to be in the script. That's all got to be fun that the artist is putting in there. I love that they find ways to make the talky-talky scenes with interesting stuff. Now, here's one that I'm probably going way too deep on, but I need you to go with me here. Go to page 10, all right? Uh-huh. So uh, it, they're outside the, the diner, and Professor Stein and them are, are eating inside. But on the outside, there is a guy hawking newspapers, and there's also another guy who looks like maybe helping him hawk newspapers because he's chasing some down with a paper. Mm-hmm. So follow this crazy logic I came up with. Okay. On the wall behind them is a big sign that says Crisis on Infinite Earth. It's a promotional <laughs> poster, okay? Well, Crisis yeah. was being – Crisis is being published at this point. Right. So what if <laughs> the artist is trying to say something here? Because the newspaper guy who's hawking the newspaper in front of the crisis poster, which maybe – so maybe he's supposed to be hawking crisis, right? So the newspaper guy is trying to get people to buy crisis. Well, he's being bitten in the leg by a dog, which shows irritation. The other guy's chasing somebody down with a newspaper as if he's trying to say buy crisis, buy crisis. And there's a guy who's actually pushing him. He's got his hand up like don't talk to me, talk to the hand kind of thing. And he's even got a shirt on with the red – like Ghostbusters red circle with a line through it. So, like, is this maybe the artist trying to give some sort of symbolism about how DC's trying to push crisis on people too much? Maybe? Or am I reading way too much? Into this? You're reading way too much into it. <laughs> well, like, I, the reason it got me thinking about it is because, you know, we, we as fans, whether you love crisis or hate crisis, this is a big turning point in our lives. Whereas for the people working on the books, it's probably like a bit of a nuisance. Because it's like, oh, you're in my way. I'm trying to tell a story here, buddy. And so it's uh, kind of what, you know, that, that's what I felt walking away from this thing. Okay. In fact, just to carry that a little further, which I know this is complete bull crap, but the last panel of the issue, did you, can you get a flip to the last page? Yeah. What do you see in the last panel? Red skies. Red skies, baby. <laughs> <laughs> complete coincidence. I know that. I understand that. But I couldn't help but love on that. So. so lots of fun stuff going on in the background here. So, uh, all right. Ronnie taking a beating from Cliff. All right. I get they're trying to convey an emotional thing about, I guess, Ronnie growing up. Like, I don't know that I really got that. Like, what did you get that Ronnie, the pacifist thing where Ronnie stood there and took the beating? What did, what did you walk away with there? Uh, well, I mean, I, he, you know, he's spent a couple of years being a superhero and he's trying to be a better person. And he's under the influence of Martin Stein. He doesn't, you know, he knows that Cliff's got this whole mad on for him and he doesn't want to engage cliff on that level so he's just gonna just take the beating you know he's just like okay fine I, he doesn't want to i mean he could beat the crap out of cliff if he wanted to you know but he even says prove prove what cliff you're right i'm a jerk do what you want but i'm not gonna fight you not over this not anymore like he's just he's he he's like he's grown up he wants to move on cliff is still angry about all this stuff okay all right i mean i i, I did get the sense this problem what you were trying to convey but i guess i I don't know. Like, I had trouble this time. I think when I was a kid, I got it, but now as an adult, I'm like, I don't know. But I think you're right. I'm just missing the point. You're right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Because honestly, I wanted to punch Cliff myself. Like, when Ronnie punched Cliff the first time, I was like cheering. I was like, yeah, that bastard deserved it. Oh, yeah. Because I yeah. totally did. But uh, And then Ronnie got furious and transformed right on the grounds of the school. 
and flew away. Like, you know, I mean, someone could have saw him transform into Firestorm right then and there. <laughs> now, I do think that the artists try to cover that up a bit by making Firestorm surrounded by, like, flames and stuff. So if someone saw it, they wouldn't really know what they saw. Uh, but either way, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of impulsive. It's a good example of teenagers being a hothead, you know, reacting in, in, improperly. Uh, I do love that the transmutation, you talk about the guy making out with his girlfriend there. Uh, I love that, uh, that got, we got a giant rubber ducky. Because that's like my favorite thing for Firestorm to do is create a giant rubber ducky. I, I, think, like I, that, yeah. I love that. It's That just screams Firestorm to me. That's the most Firestorm thing he can transmute is transmute something into a giant rubber ducky. So that makes me happy. Uh, I think a great moment here in the issue is when Ronnie's taking the exams. Uh, I think Mike Clark did a good job, by the way, showing Ronnie beat up. You know, this is page uh, – 16, he did a good job of showing Ronnie having the crap beat out of him. Like he, Even after the fight with uh, Cliff, you know, a lot of times in a comic, someone gets in a fight, and then three panels later, they look fine. Well, Ronnie yeah. looks like he got the crap beat out of him throughout the whole issue, so that's good. But when he's doing the final exam with the professor, the professor asks him a complicated question, and Ronnie just brrr, spills out all this techno babble for chemistry. And I just love, he's got kind of this cocky look on his face, and he finishes it, and he just goes, next? I just That's a great panel. I just really love that last panel on page 16. It makes me very happy. And then uh, last thought here, uh, there's a page, whether it's intentional or not, makes me very happy. Page 18 has, shows uh, Firestorm floating in the clouds, having a conversation with Professor Stein, right? They're sort of catching up, talking about the events and all this stuff. And it's a nice page. For me, it, it's almost like th this could have been uh, Jerry's last issue. I mean, it's not. Uh, it was never intended to be. But this really could have been Jerry's last issue because – it, it, it finishes up the journey of Ronnie Raymond through high school, you know, and, and this page even acts like a like a, uh, a bookend because the very first issue of Fury of Firestorm, not not the very first appearance, but the first issue of this run with Pat Broderick starts with Firestorm, you know, having a conversation in the clouds with Professor Stein, just like this. And so this almost would have made a perfect little bookend to the first issue and maybe the last issue of it. You know, it, it really feels like a last issue with the exception of the Felicity Smoke lawsuit, which is going to continue. This really does make a wrapping up. It would have been like a season finale, if you will, or something or, or last page. So I, I just I like this. It made me happy. So it, everything that happened with Jerry later where he said he was butting heads with D.C., uh, some stories that are yet to come. Uh, Moonbow, I'm looking at you. Uh, a giant wrestler dude, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but uh, this this kind of could have been the end of Jerry's run and would have been a really nice ending, I think. I could see that. I mean, he said, it's, you know, graduating high school, that's a big moment for anybody. So, yeah, it uh, marks a certain thing. So, yep. it makes sense. Well, uh, any la I'm about to talk about the letters page, but anything, before I get to that, anything else you want to talk about on the issue? I, like, final thoughts, is this, a, is this a big win or is this a, eh, it's okay? What do you think? I, th I think it's pretty good. I don't. I don't think this is the best ones that we've done or whatever. I actually said uh, of the four, the Weasel two part storyline is is the, to me the most fun. So yeah, I think they're 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 good. I think they're they're good. I, I I'm the the first is the thirty seven. The woman Nina was really to me the weak sister of the yeah. of the group here, and I like that the this issue. It's it's more character based. You know, they didn't find a um, Jerry didn't stick in a villain. You know, right, uh, it's right. really more about Ronnie and all that stuff. And it's it. it, it I've said this on the, like probably every episode, um, but uh, from repeating myself, but it's, you know, Jerry is repeating the Spider-Man formula. And that's something that they really did. Like, you would be able to concentrate on a lot of the personal stuff. And that's what Jerry's doing here. Yeah, he's, he's very good. At it. And it's not just with Ronnie. It's also with the professor because right. in 37 and 38. 
uh, or thirty eight, thirty nine, the Weasel story. That really was a Professor Stein driven story. You know, it was all about him going to school. You know, into the Pittsburgh and, and the girl, Doctor Emily Rice, who becomes a recurring character, things like that. So yeah, great job with the subplots. Uh, I, I think I probably liked forty more than you. Uh, I'm not as hung up on the art, probably. So the celebratory nature, the the feel like a coming to a, a major life event, you know, really made me happy. So I, I think it's great. Now we got to talk about the letters page for a second here in issue forty. Uh, there's a very funny letter in here. It's written in sort of a split personality. They, the author of the letter is arguing with basically their own Professor Stein, much like Ronnie argues with. So it's back and forth with, uh, with this writer arguing with Stein. It's kind of funny. Now, I did some research. turns out this is the second letter from this individual printed in Fury of Firestorm. And any idea who I'm, who I'm getting building up to here, Rob? Uh, no. Okay. The letter author is none other then Hubert School's own Captain Kirk and friend of the show, Mr. Tom Zoller. <laughs> okay. has a letter in issue 40, and it's pretty funny. Uh, well done, Tom. Not sure if you're going to listen to this episode. He drops in and out, but uh, well done, sir. I was impressed. He got, he got printed a lot in letters. I think he sent in a lot of letters. I seem to remember him showing me books that he's got had his name in. <laughs> he had them framed on the wall and things like that, right? Yeah, he had, he had them all engraved, and yeah, it was a lot of... <laughs> he signed the covers, you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've actually done that. Uh, Kyle Benning and uh, Clinton Ro- uh, Robinson uh, both asked me to sign <laughs> copies of Dr. Fate where I had letters printed. Oh, it's ridiculous. Those guys are kooks. So. All right. Well, Firestorm, happy 40th birthday. Welcome to your midlife crisis. Uh, you know, for 40, he looks pretty good. I mean, you know, let's see, Legends Tomorrow and uh, Justice League Unlimited, not bad. Uh, you know, it's I, – I, oh, I, I, all I'm going to say is this, folks. Uh, if you haven't watched DC Legends tomorrow lately, folks, you need to tune in to the recent big crossover. It, it's called uh, Crisis on Earth X. You can actually watch it on the CW app. You know, if you don't, if you don't want to bother you know, hunting it down, it, it's all out there, very easily accessible. Uh, so watch Crisis on Earth X. Firestorm plays a role, and something very major happens in Firestorm's life that we should discuss at some point coming up. But considering how recent it is, I don't want to say anything yet. And uh, anyway, Firestorm's looking good at 40, folks. So uh, happy birthday, pal. Happy birthday, Firestorm. That's right. And so next up, when we cover Firestorm, we're going to cover annual number three. And wait for it. That's right. The two crossover issues from Crisis on Infinite Earths. We have reached the crisis. Woof. Now, uh, we've actually discussed one of those issues many, many years ago, so we'll have to either go back and re-listen to that episode or avoid it so that we don't repeat the same things we said, because one of those issues doesn't even feature Firestorm. Oh, it's the Firehawk one, right? Right. right. Okay. It's a Firehawk issue with, uh, with uh, Donna Troy, so, which is pretty cool. So, All right. I guess that's going to do it, folks. Uh, Rob, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can uh, leave their comments and where they can see some of the images from these issues? Over on our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you'll see an accompanying gallery post, which will feature, as Shag just said, images from these four comics. Awesome. And if you want to hear your feedback right on the show, be sure to leave your comments there on the website. We love seeing the stuff on social media, but uh, for, the, for the sake of pulling feedback together, it's a little bit easier if we can get it off our website. And that's also where you can have all your conversations. You can tell us what you think about Firestorm at 40, or you can tell us what you think about these issues. You can find me on social medias as Firestorm Fan on Twitter and on Facebook. Please feel free to Catch up with all the other Firestorm fans there as well. You can find Rob at uh, every other Twitter handle that's out there, right? You want to rattle off at least four or five of them for you? For them? <laughs> uh, yeah, Film and Water Pod, um, at Superman Movie Minute, uh, Pod Dylan, and of course our main one is FW Podcasts. 
Yep. It's also has a Facebook page, Fire and Water Podcast Network. So thanks so much for listening, folks. Uh, until next time, happy birthday, Firestorm. Fan the flame. And fan the flame. Woo! The heat is on! Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. So come down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in there. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. Come on, let me show you around the Hall of Justice. Wait till you see this place. And afterwards, I know a bunch of kids who would sure like to meet the famous Firestorm. You're on. You know, I think this is going to be the start of a beautiful friendship. Yeah.